When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as Nottingham Forest stand on the brink of the playoffs, needing just a point to secure their place in the end of season showdown after beating Peterborough 1-0 on Saturday, although second place is far from out of the equation with Bournemouth five points clear with four games to go. And to discuss all that, first of all, we're joined by Reds legend, former player, manager and chairman, Frank Clark. Hello, Frank, you well? Yeah, I'm fine, Matt. Good to see you again. Yeah, good, 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 to, uh, good of you to join us. Very much appreciate it. And our second guest returning to punditry duties after kindly hosting a bit too well last week is Michael Temple. Temps, are you okay? Good, thanks, Matt. Good to have you back. Well, good to be back. Good to be back. I did listen and you were spot on last week, so very much appreciated for stepping in. Um, Frank, you were there on Saturday. Um, we'll come to the game in a minute. I mean, it's a happy hunting ground for you, Peterborough. They go Forest and Peace. We go hand in hand after your win there in 1994 to seal promotion. Before we get to the game on Saturday, I mean, what are your memories of 1994? That was a momentous day for the club. Yeah, it was um, mostly good, um, but soured a little bit at the end by the behaviour of some of our, some of our uh, supporters. Not all of them, but some of them who got carried away at the end of the game and, and caused a lot of trouble in the ground and in Peterborough. Uh, I was actually asked by the chief of police on the day to broadcast to them over the public address system to ask them just to uh, behave themselves and if they wanted to celebrate to go back to Nottingham, which took the gl- took the gloss of it a little bit, obviously. But um, other than that, it was a, it was a great day for us. It didn't start off very well. Uh, we were two down, I think, after about twenty minutes. Mm. Um, but it actually turned out all right in the end. Do you see any similarities between that team you managed and this team? Because they started, you started badly as well and made a change in signing Bahin and Forrest made a change in changing manager. Luckily for you, that didn't happen in 1994. But do you see any similarities? <laughs> it might have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't see too many similarities really, other than they're, they're playing very, very well and they're, they're into the playoffs. You know, I can't see Middlesbrough pulling back uh, a 19-goal deficit, which they will have to do uh, over the last three games. Um, uh, so there's a similarity there, and hopefully there's still an outside chance that they would catch Bournemouth. I think that's very, very difficult, especially as three of the last four games are away from home. You know, it's very difficult to win a, a game away from home in any division in England. Uh, and to win three which is probably what we'd have to do to uh, to hope to catch Bournemouth, I, I think it's going to be a very tall order. What did you make of the game, uh, Temps? Uh, we, we all watched it, but we'll bring you in. What did you make of the game on Saturday? Well, it was yeah. a bit scrappy. Um, a typical end-of-season game, really. Um, you know, you can't expect uh, top-quality, free-flowing football all the time. The lads have been battling away now for, for over nine months. Uh, at this stage of the season, it, it, it can become a battle. 
Peterborough made it very difficult for us. They were fighting for their uh, existence in the championship, of course. Um, so it obviously wasn't as uh, as free flowing as uh, as we would have liked, or as Steve would have liked. Uh, but the important thing was to get the win and get the three points. And Temps, what was your take? Yeah, I like what Frank said there. Result was uh, all that mattered, given where we're at, and uh, you know having the outside chance of, uh, of of chasing Bournemouth for automatic promotion. So professional from that perspective, I was a bit disappointed that Peterborough didn't throw more at us. It, it didn't look to me like. You know, a desperate attacking attempt of a, um, a, a relegated team to try and um, save their souls. They sent their keeper up for that that corner on like the ninety second minute. But for me, they they could have um, tried more offensively earlier on. And if that had have happened, I think we'd have picked them off. But um, yeah, um, as it, as it turned out, made us battle. We weren't at our best, but got the job done and three points in the bag. How hard are those games as a manager, Frank, when you know you're going to a team that, in theory, is fighting for its life? It's on paper for us so much better than Peterborough, but it, it, it must be a challenge as a manager to prepare for a game like that, shouldn't it? Well, listen, it's a challenge for the manager to, pre- to prepare for every game. Um, but, you know, Steve's been there. He's, I think his experience in the playoffs for the last two years will, uh, will stand him in good stead when they do come along. Um, but you, you you know you know what to expect. Uh, we're individually a better side than Peterborough. The, the statistics would tell you that. But they're they're fighting for their as I say, fighting for their existence in the championship. And I'm, I thought Michael was a bit hard on them there. Um, they did what they can do. You know they're not, uh, they're not a, a, an outstanding team with a load of outstanding individuals. Although I really like the. Uh, the young nineteen-year-old uh, centre back who played like with number two, I think he's got a great future in the game. But they were, they were always just going to have to battle and scrap. You know, they had to try and stop us uh, us playing and get our free-flowing football going. And, and the goal temps, Sam Surridge, yet again. I mean, he's on fire, isn't he, Michael? Yeah, really impressed with Surridge. He's uh, his one-touch finishing is as good as anything I've seen around the, the division this year. Um, I think he averages a, a goal per 90 minutes as well. And not easy coming to a club at that stage, knowing that you're not going to be an automatic first pick. You're going to have to, to take your chance when you when you get it. And he has. He had those minutes off the bench um, where he showed us what he could do, scored important goals. So, um, you know, albeit in different circumstances, I'm sure he'd love to be pushing Keenan Davis on, on merit. Um, he's in because he has to be. Uh, but he, he doesn't look like anybody understudy at the minute. He looks like a championship-ready striker. And I, I think... Um, he's got more goals in in between now and the end of the season. Um, Gary Bertels is a huge fan of Surridge, um, Frank. What do you make of him? Yeah, I like him. You know, he works very, very hard uh, for the team every time he gets on the pitch. And uh, as Michael said, you know, his, his goals uh, per, per minute per game, his, his ratio is very, very good. Um, when he gets a chance, he seems he seems to finish it. Uh, with that, with an excellent finish on uh, on Saturday, and and hopefully he will uh, he will stay fit till the end of the season. It was a nice cross from Brennan as well. I mean, obviously, you know, nineteen seventy nine is a bit different, but a, a, a cross to the back post for someone to dive and head in, Trevor Francis style, is always nice to see. And, <laughs> now you're really stretching things, Matt. I am. Uh, yeah. No. Listen, it was a great. It was an excellent goal on its own uh, on its own merits. And the, but the quality from Brennan to cross with his left foot, I mean, that's his weaker foot. Obviously, we know how special Brennan is, but that's a fine delivery, wasn't it, Frank? 
It was, yeah, an excellent delivery. Yeah, and we, you're right, we know uh, how much quality Brennan's got. Um, but he'll be finding it, uh, he'll be finding it quite difficult at the minute. You know, he's just a young boy and he played in the first team now, I think, certainly the last 30 games. I'm not sure, can't remember where he was in the team at the start of the season. Um, but he's, he's, it's been a long, hard season and, and we forget that he is, he is only 20 years of age. Um, but he keeps coming up with these, uh, these moments of quality that can uh, decide a game. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll stick with Brennan Temps. EFL Championship Young Player of the Year, he was named last night. Oh, we're lucky to have him, aren't we now? <laughs> that, that's the general consensus it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, and he's, he's taken the stairs to where he is as well. That that season out on Learning League One where he dominated at that level, Sean for Lincoln. But then to, to come in um, to, to Forest, his first season as uh, a championship player for all intents and purposes, um, and not just to be a, a bit part player, not to make impact from the bench, to get in that side and just make himself undroppable um, to the point that he's been recognised as the, yeah, you know, the best prospects in the championship, I think is a, an incredible journey. And I think we all have a suspicion he's going to be playing Premier League football um, next season, hopefully with Forrest. But the thing that um, I really like about him is he's not ultra selfish. He knows now when to cross, when to pass, when to square it. Um, and his assist record is almost as impressive as his goal scoring record. And I think sometimes when an attacking player breaks into the side, they're perhaps guilty of being a little bit too selfish and taking pot shots um, and wasting good team chances. He's not doing that. He's, his instincts are first class and I think his um, potential um, is, uh, yeah, truly something else. And uh, let's, let's hope he, uh, he's wearing our shirt next year. What is his potential, Frank? Obviously, you've added a 40-year association with the club. You've seen a lot of talented young players as well as in your general career away from Forest. How good can Brennan be? Well, yeah, I think, I think what Michael said is right. He's, uh, he's certainly he'll be able to become a, a Premier League player. Um, uh, he's only 20. Obviously, he's still got things to, uh, to learn and improve on. But uh, hopefully, it'll be with us. I think if Michael was uh, hinting at, really, it'll be difficult to keep him if we don't go up. Um, but he's, he's had a wonderful season. Uh, he's, a credit, uh, he's a credit to the, himself and to the game. Um, I do think that sometimes he's, he, he, doesn't get, he doesn't get the protection from referees that he ought to, not because he's young, you know, that doesn't make any difference. But I think there are, I can think back this season at least three or four occasions when you should have had uh, you should have had penalties given for challenges on Brennan, and I, I think referees are far too quick these days to uh, uh, to wave uh, wave appeals away. And and uh, I mean I think he's been booked twice for diving, which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, so he's, he's got unlimited potential, but you know it's. Uh, it's just a start. It's his first year at, in, at this level, and I'm sure that he'll uh, that he'll go on. The one thing I'm sure about, he'll keep his feet on the ground because his father will make sure of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think? I mean, I think back to you being on here before saying that when you took over as Forest manager, you had to shake hands with Roy Keane and say thank you very much, wish you well at Man United. Do you think if Forest don't go up, then Steve Cooper will have to shake Brennan's hand and say, you know, wish you well? There's no no real chance of keeping you. 
Well, it won't be the same uh, scenario because Roy had a, a clause in his contract, which uh, you know, which guaranteed a move for him. Really, that if the if the club got relegated, Roy could move. So the circumstances are a little bit different with with Brennan, but I do think it will be very very difficult uh, to keep him if if we don't go uh, this season. Um, it, it's 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 very very difficult throughout the game for any Championship club to hold on to a really outstanding, talented young player, uh, which uh, Brennan is, uh, when a big Premier League club comes calling, you know. The one negative on Saturday, I guess, was Lewis Graben going off injured so soon after he came on. That is getting to be a bit of a concern now, isn't it, Temps? Because we've only got Sam Surridge now as a regular striker. Yeah, the depth has gone, hasn't it? Um, Sam Surridge, for all intents and purposes, is is Plan C in the Forest team, and he's he's doing his proud with the performances that he's putting in. But um, I think it would be tough for, for for Grabs to force his way back in now. Between now and the end of the season, you hope and pray, um, as has been the suggestion that um, Keenan will take part in those those playoff games. Um, but yeah, Lewis brings. Uh, uh, presence on the training ground in the dressing room as well. I'm sure he'll be in and around the squad. And we've we've heard reports, haven't we, about the work he's done with the likes of Surridge and Davis just to um, pass on the benefit of his experience. But I've enjoyed seeing him come on last last 20 minutes, the last few weeks. He has a certain poise, retains the ball very well, links up play. Clearly, in his own head, he can play um, 11, 7, and, and 10 as well as as well as nine. Um, but yeah, more than anything else, we, we're just looking threadbare as a uh, in the striking department. And should anything happen to to Surridge, um, then we're going to have to to make some uh, really difficult decisions to to drag people people out of position. So yeah, big blow for for Forrest that uh, he was um, so so quick to leave the field at the weekend. How worried would you be, Frank, if Graben's out for a couple of weeks at least now? Well, it's a concern, obviously. Um, you know, uh, Michael's right. He is. A, a, he can still be a great influence around the club, but if he's not fit enough to get under the pitch, then that's one of our very important players missing from the squad. And Keenan already is. That's a big blow. Um, and we've got what, minimum six, maybe seven, hard games left in the next month. Um, and that's, that's going to test the whole squad to the maximum, uh, numbers-wise. And uh, it will be a, a worry if, if we're down to one striker. Uh, one or two of the young boys who I've seen playing uh, under 23 and that, um, who are very, very promising. But obviously, it wouldn't be an ideal time to, uh, to throw one of those lads in at, uh, at this short, short notice. Could you play Brennan as a striker, Frank? So I know he's done it a bit for Wales. Could he do it for Forest? Is it a big? Well, he could. Yeah, of course he could. Yeah, I mean, I think Brennan can play anyway. Um, I think his uh, his best position as he gets older might be the number ten. You know, playing behind a striker or behind two strikers. He's such a good footballer; he can play anyway. But but obviously, playing as a central striker is a bit of a specialist um, specialist job, and. Uh, we thought two weeks ago we thought we were very lucky in that we had two very very good ones and, and a third one coming back to fitness and in Davis Surridge and and, uh, and Graben and now it looks as though I might only have one so that that is a bit of a worry. Temps, would you rather see 
Would you rather move Brennan out of position, Temps, or would you rather bring in a Dale Taylor or a Julian Larson, as I see um, Chris has mentioned in the comments here, and a couple of other people have mentioned young lads. I mean, what would you prefer to do? Well, my hunch is that Steve Cooper won't do that. Now's not the time to blood players that haven't even been on the bench, really. My hunch is you've got to get your best 11 on, uh, players on the pitch. So if if, if one or two of you, your key um, strikers are out, as they are at the minute, in, uh, in, in Grabs and, um, and, and Davis, if Surridge was to go down, then yes, you would drag Brennan to nine and bring in a Joe Lolly um, rather than um, blood an untested youngster. So... We will lose something for doing that. Of course we will. But I think we'll lose far less for putting Brennan up top and uh, Lolly out wide than we would for elevating a lad from the 23s and expecting him to get up to the pace of where we're at, like the quality um, that we are in the pressure cooker of, you know, potentially a run to automatic promotion, but more likely a playoff semi-final. Just can't see it happening. I cannot see an untested player coming into the starting 11 at this stage. They may have to go on the bench, uh, they may get some minutes towards the end of the game. But I, I really don't think um, Steve Cooper, as he is, he's not a tinker man. He backs the boys that are in the eleven, And as long as they're playing well and carrying out the, the, the game plan and getting the results, they're, they're there to stay. It's, um, yeah, he's it, doing the right thing for me. And I think mm. despite the suggestion that they'd be the next game off the rank, I can't see Taylor or Larson getting minutes this season. I mean, it's Fulham up next tomorrow. You sound kind of... Not writing off second place, Frank, but you, you're you're quite conservative about it. Well, only that it's a it's a very very difficult um, thing for us to do. Um, you know, we've we've got we've only got one home game. We've got three games away out of the four, and it's very difficult to win away from home in the championship in any in any division in uh, in England. Um, and it's a, it's going to be a massive ask. To expect us to pull that points difference back uh, to Bournemouth uh, in such a short space of time, I'm not writing it off. I just, I'm just looking at the two options. I don't think that's it's likely to happen. Mm-hmm. But Steve won't uh, be looking at that. Steve will just be looking at tonight, tomorrow night. He'll be looking at uh, making sure that the players are ready for what will be a very, very difficult game at, uh, at Fulham. Um, uh, and getting them prepared and ready for that. And once that game is over, then he'll, he'll start looking at Swansea. That's that's how he uh, that, that's how he operates, and that's that's a great strength in a manager. You've got to be very careful that you don't uh, take your eye off the ball and look too far ahead. But I would I wouldn't disagree with uh, with Michael. Um, Steve has uh, has got all his big decisions right more or less this season, and um, I'm sure that. Uh, that whatever he does, I, I hope you'll be right. Is the Fulham game any easier because they're already promoted, Frank, or does that make no difference at all? It's hard to say. It really is hard to say. Um, you certainly can't uh, go there thinking because they're, they're promoted, it'll be easy. Um, they're a very good team with some very good players and, and they know the spotlight will be on them tomorrow night. Um and they will want to put on a show uh, and show the football world and their own supporters. They'll want to show how, how good they are. So I don't think it makes uh, a, a lot of difference. It won't make any difference to how, uh, how Steve sets up and prepares the team. Mm. I mean, Fulham beat Forest 4-0 at home, Tam. So how are you feeling about this game? 
Fulham score a lot of goals, don't they? Um, 99 league goals this season. Uh, for comparison, Bournemouth and Forest are next best up with, with 66. So, massive attacking threat. I don't think they've got their feet on the beach. I think they're motivated to finish the season on a high. Mitrovic is certainly motivated to um, try and rewrite the record books with his, his, um, his, his scoring. Really challenging game. Um, but I know we won't go down there and settle for a draw, set up for a, um, with a defensive structure. We'll go down there to cause problems. We'll give um, time and space to the boys out wide and, and have, a, have a real good go. And you know what? If we go down there with attack, attacking intent uh, and end up getting picked off, then, then so be it. Because I just hate us to die wondering while that slim chance of automatic promotion exists. So toughest game of the season on paper. Uh, will be more than a match for them. But yeah, the, the, the possibility of defeat has to be acknowledged because they are the class team in the division. They do score a lot of goals. They've got the best striker in the league and their their record this year speaks for itself. Do you make any special plans for Mitrovic, Frank? Because if you were in Steve Cooper's uh, seat, would you do anything different to normal because he's got 42 goals or do you just have to no, play your game? No, no, I don't think Steve will. You know, like Michael says, uh, we'll want to uh, we'll want to go and play our own game and try and impose our own style on them. No doubt, Mitrovic is, is, is a real, uh, real uh, problem. And uh, I've got some friends in London. I might ring them up and say, any, any chance of kidnapping him for a week and keep him out of the way? <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's been a, an incredible success uh, this, this season. Um, so they'll be aware of that. Not, they will, he will, my, uh, Steve will talk about it, and as he talks about opposition players uh, before every game. Uh, but the way our three uh, centre-backs have been playing over the last few weeks, I'm, I'm fairly confident that they can, uh, they can deal with anybody. Mm, mm. What I would say about the 4-0 defeat at home, I took a lot of um, hope out of that one, which you might find a bit strange. Because if you remember, we were one down and the game was, was pretty tight and, and, and very close. And uh, we were a bit unlucky, actually, to be one down. And this was very early in Steve's reign. Mm. And he made some changes with the, to the team, substitutions, to try and win the game. He hadn't given it up, even though, you know, Fulham were, even then, were the best team in the division. He hadn't given it up. He wasn't prepared to, to sit there and just let the game drift out as a, as a, a close 1-0 defeat, if you like, or 2-0 defeat. He made some changes and brought some attacking players on, and unfortunately, it didn't work for him. And Fulham were able to pick pick us off, really. And I think that's been that's one of his great strengths throughout this season. Um, he's not never been afraid to make uh, substitutions um, to change the course of the game, whether we were winning or whether we we're not winning. Um, I think that that's very refreshing. It shows a manager who is uh, who is very courageous. Mm. Yeah, nobody, I wants, nobody wants to lose four nil at home, but at least they 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 lost four nil at home trying to win the game. Yeah, I mean the fans. I was there. I remember the fans clapped them off, and I think we did. We miss a someone missed a good chance at one nil or two nil that would have, might have changed the game. A real sitter. So yeah, I think you're spot on there. Um, would you any rotation for you, Frank? In this game, obviously Steve Cook's waiting to get back in, or does he have to bide his time? I, I mean, I don't know. Without seeing the players in training. And, and watching them at close quarters, 
um, I would be I'd be very reluctant to comment on 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 rotation. Uh, ideally, at this stage, um, rotation would be a good thing, but not if it not if it if it's going to weaken your team, you know. And really, only Steve and his staff will uh, will know um, whether to do that or not do that. Mm. I mean, it's a tough balancing act, isn't it, Temps, to keep rolling? I remember Paul Hart just rolled like 10 play- 11 players for 10 games in a row, and it worked. But these days, maybe even 20, yeah. 20 years later, the game's a lot faster, isn't it, Temps? Now, you, it's a gamble to keep going. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, Steve has, Steve has picked the same team, more or less, apart from the odd body. When somebody's been injured, he's had to change it. But he's picked the, uh, the same team, more or less, over the last two to three months. Uh, we've not lost a game, you know. So you've got to, you've got to say that he's been getting that one right. Yeah, Matt, Matt's mentioned that Matt's mentioned the big dilemma there, which is when do you bring Cook back in? So Figueroa's came in because needs most well documented that he almost left the club in January, and that there have been a couple of high-profile mistakes. But outside of those, he's played extremely well, and I think he had a good game at the at the weekend too. He's winning his heads and tackles, very comfortable on the ball. Um, very comfortable when we're kind of changing our point of attack and playing the ball between the between the back three. So I'm, I've got no concern about Figueroa, but there'll come a time when Cook is perceived to be ready and he'll dive back in. Uh, Cooper was rotating at one point, which is when Max Lowe was was fit and playing left back, and there was good reason to to get Garner, Yates, Colback, and Zinkenagel into that into that centre mid. But since Colback's gone left side. Um, and Lowe would have a battle getting that position back, given how he's playing at the minute. And that, mm. that policy seems to have gone out the window. So I don't expect any changes. Um, but of course, there will be a moment where he, he wants to get Cook back in that side. How impressed are you with Colback, Frank? I mean, obviously, you played that position throughout your career. It's a tough ask, isn't it, to go from midfield to left back, even if you have some aptitude for it? Yeah, I think Jack's done an absolutely fantastic job there. Um, because he's not really playing uh, like an orthodox left back; he's playing like a left wing back. That, that's what he's. That's what he's expected to do with the three centre backs in there, and he's supposed to play like a left wing back. Um, and, and that's a, that's a very difficult job to do. He's, he's but he's gone in there. Uh, nobody expects to see him rampaging forward, but he's done a fair bit of that, and uh, he did score a decent goal last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not bad. Yeah. Which he reckons he meant, and if that's what he says, good luck to him. Um, but he's done a superb job in there, really hard. It, it's uh, it's surprised. I was worried when uh, when Law got injured. Uh, I couldn't see um, uh, uh, an, an obvious uh, replacement in the in the club at that time. Uh, but Jack's gone there, and, and and he's done a really great professional job. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's harder to play as a fullback now because? You can't a couple of bad tackles and you get two soft yellow cards against a quick winger. Does that make it even harder now or not? Yeah, it does. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to adapt your game, and it, it's harder, even harder to be a wing back. You know, it, mm. I, I could never have been a wing back when I played. I, all I'd get up and down, and I hardly ever crossed the halfway line. You know, when I played left back, uh, but that was what was expected of full backs in those days. You know, your job really was just to defend uh, and give it to somebody who could play. But now, um, especially when you play with three centre-backs, Spence and, and Callback or Lowe are expected to gallop up and down that left touchline and, and create things and, and get in the box and score the odd goal. Um, so it's not easy. It's not easy for somebody to go there who's never really played there. But it was, that was an inspired uh, 
inspired decision by the manager, I think, I would assume. No doubt he spoke to Jack about it. Um, Jack just showed what a good professional he is. Uh, not always being recognised uh, at Forest as that by the crowd. Um, but he's uh, he's gone in there and shown what a great prof- professional he is and, and just got down and done the job. Mm, true, true. Um, just wrapping up that Fulham game, then Forrest need a point, as I said, to, to make the playoffs. That old mathematics, he confirm it. Going on to the EFL Awards last night, like we said, and we discussed, Brennan won the Young Player of the Year for the Championship. Three players are in the team of the year, Spence, Worrell and Yates. I suppose we should talk about all three individually. Uh, was anyone unlucky to miss out, though, Michael? Maybe Scott McKenna or someone like that? Yeah, that was the obvious one for me. Um, I mean, first of all, yeah, thoroughly deserved the guys that are in there, but you can make such a case for McKenna. He just comes out on the right side of his jewels every single game, dominant in the air, dominant in the tackle. But what I've seen more this year as well is more of a willingness to to bring the ball out from defence, almost the way that Harry Maguire has been for, for England and, you know, joining the attack, trying to create the, um, the, the overload. He just seems far more comfortable on the ball as well. And you know, last season I wasn't as convinced that he that he had that. Uh, but now for me, he's he's definitely in that championship championship team of the year, and I, I hold him in the same regard as as uh, as Joe Worrell. Worrell obviously a bit younger, um, more potential perhaps, and it, it is is even more comfortable on the ball. Um, but yeah, I think Scott McKenna is the one that can count himself as being unlucky not to be in that eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, I wanted to specifically ask you about Ryan Yates because he's obviously had to win over the fans. Managers have backed him more than fans previously. Going back to Martin O'Neill, he probably broke through then. With your manager's hat on, I mean, what is it that you would like about Ryan Yates that you might pick him before a fan sees what, what a coach sees? Well, I always liked his attitude from, uh, from the day he was at the club as a young boy. You know, I watched him a couple of times when he was on loan. I think it was at Scunthorpe, if my memory serves me right. Yeah. Um, and he's always had a great attitude to the game. And he's worked very, very hard and he's, he's developed his game. I I was always hoping to see him um, making forward runs and getting into the box more because I did think that he would he, he could do that and he would score goals. And he's beginning to show that this season. I think he's got, what, six or seven now? Is that right? I think he might be nine or something now. He's, oh, yeah. there you are. I'm doing a disservice there. <laughs> um, so, you know, goal-scoring midfield players are, 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 like, are like gold, really. So, full credit to the boy. He's got a wonderful attitude. And I've watched him kind of develop over the years. And I'm, I'm delighted he's now getting the, the recognition he deserves. And do you have to give a lot of credit to Steve Cooper for releasing the shackles, like you say, to get into the box as well? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to give the manager a little bit of credit uh, for the way he sets up his team and the way he asks people to play. Um, and then it's it's down to to Ryan himself to uh, to go and show people how good he, how good he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, Jed Spence, Michael, that combination with Brennan. I mean, well, we say that's Premier League quality, isn't it? That's torn by virtually every team apart this season. See, I think Jed Six could be a. a- Jed Six, Jed Spence could be a top six player because he's in that Alexander Armstrong mode, isn't he? You remember that that Carragher quote about Alexander Arnold? Else? Alexander Armstrong's a comedian. Yeah, sorry, I've got, but that's it. I'll, I'll, I'll delete that <laughs> sentence and start again. There's that famous <laughs> Carragher quote about no one growing up with a, a poster of Gary Neville on their wall because the role of the fullback at that time was to, to mark the winger and you know plug a channel ball. It's changed immeasurably now. It's how you launch your attack. So much goes through them. They're expected to be attacking players. 
And what often happens is someone like Jed Spence will be uh, an attacking player as a kid and just have his attributes moulded so he can um, become a fullback slash wingback in the, in the modern game. But I see Jed Spence um, going to a, playing top six football at, at some stage. I think he's that good because not only can he defend, when he does commit himself forward, he has the pace to, to, get, to get back into position. He's just relentlessly attacking, draws the foul, wins the penalties, frustrates the, frustrates the opposition. And um, yeah, what a, what a player. But look, there, there are some, so there's some quality championship performance at other clubs that are in that 11 on merit too. And we, we of course, get a bit, a bit blinded because we watch Forrest um, week in, week out. But, you know, Jed Spencer's um, career in the Premier League, I think, is, is, is assured now. And Middlesbrough fans must be, um, yeah, rubbing their hands together, knowing they're going to get a, a healthy check for a player that they um, haven't been able to handle, haven't been able to get the best out of themselves. Um, and, and his arrival at Forest has, um, has been, you know, unbelievable for all concerned. Yeah, I mean, if you put your fullback, have fullback hat back on again, Frank, the kind of evolution of the of a right back or left back is. It's, uh, it's come a long way, hasn't it? I mean, Jed Spence, is, he's more of a winger than a fullback now, even when he plays as a right-back. Yes, it has, yes. Uh, and that's certainly Jed's, uh, Jed's uh, strongest point. Uh, he's still got a bit, a bit to learn as a defender, um, but he is a real, a real, real threat uh, getting forward. And I'm sure he'll have a, a, a great career in the game. And yeah, fullback, the fullback role has changed. More so when you play with three centre-backs. Um, but even, like you know, you mentioned uh, Trent uh, at Liverpool. I mean, they play with an, with a, an orthodox... Well, I'm going to say an orthodox back four. And they don't play with an orthodox, orthodox back four, really. They just leave the two centre-offs and the, both full-backs bomb on, you know. I mean, you saw that yesterday with, uh, with the left-back getting the, uh, the first goal inside Everton's six-yard box. Um, so the, the role has, has changed, but when you play with the, with wing backs and three centre backs, it's even more uh, of an attacking role. And Jed's uh, is terrific at that. Yeah, Alexander Arnold was playing as a central midfielder for most of yesterday, trying to make space. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was at times. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite glad I'm not playing anymore because I would have had great difficulty dealing with all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I don't know if kids have Frank Clark posters on their wall, as Temp says, because the, the left back role was a different, different yeah. thing back then. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about briefly. I mean, Nathan Jones won Manager of the Year, and a few Forest fans are really moaning about that. I've got no problem with it personally. I don't really particularly care. It could have been Cooper. It could have been Jones. What do you think, Michael? Are you particularly bothered about who wins it? Well, I, again, yeah, because I'm I'm pro my own, aren't I? So I'm gonna I'm gonna back Steve Cooper because of the hopeless circumstances in which he walked into that that club. Um, so yeah, thoroughly deserving for for me. But yeah, I'm I'm looking through through rose tinted specs. But Steve Cooper's time will come. Um, he's a he's a young manager for all intents and purposes. I really hope he's a guy that's going to have three, four, five years in the in the dugout of Forest. You think back to. The success we had um, under Frank, uh, under under Cluffy before that, and some of it was born of the fact that they were able to, you know, they knew the football club obviously, but they were able to um, familiarise themselves, have their own plans, look at, you know, make make changes through several transfer windows, and that's the recipe for success. Not chopping and changing um, as we have, allowing a new manager to come in and write off half the squad and and start again. So. The external awards uh, mean far less um, 
than the fact that we've got a manager who's universally liked by supporters, ex-pros, um, the, the fans, the players seemingly. And, and I really hope that he's able to um, yeah, create a bit of a, a dynasty at Forest because the only, only success we've had in my living memory was on the two fellas that did. Yeah, Frank, I suppose the only worry for Forrest and C. Cooper at the moment is that a massive club comes calling for him, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, that's always a worry in football. Um, and no doubt the, uh, uh, the hierarchy uh, are aware of that. Um, I always remember when, uh, when I became the chairman uh, at Forrest many years ago, um, a very good friend of mine, Michael Paver, said to me after about three weeks, who's your next manager going to be? And I looked at him and I thought, what's he talking about here? Like, we've just appointed Steve Cottrell. Uh, I've been chairman less than three weeks. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he says, what if he falls under a bus? Or what, or what if he just decides he wants to pack it in? Or what if somebody comes in for him? And I took that to, to heart. And from then on, I had a list. I compiled a list of about five managers, which I, I updated or, you know, moved people up and down and demoted as, as circumstances changed. Because it happens too often with football clubs. They lose a manager and all of it, it's a panic. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do now? Um, so it's, it's important that you, that you have some kind of forward thinking as to what you're going to do if the manager goes for whatever reason. Mm. Um, hopefully it won't occur, but you just never know. And I'm sure that uh, that the current uh, administration hierarchy will 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 have thought about that one, you know. Although they'll be, I'm sure they'll be pretty busy at the minute compiling compiling two lists of potential signings in the in the summer transfer window, depending on which league we're in. Yeah, I mean, that sort of brings us on to what I was going to ask you about anyway. I mean, if they don't go up. Are you still excited about next season? There's a very good chance this team gets broken up if they don't go up. But are you still excited about next season, Frank? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm sure that, uh, as I say, I'm sure that, uh, that Dan and his, that his people who, who are now responsible for most of the recruitment in, in collaboration with, uh, with the manager, um, they will, as I say, they'll have a list of, uh, of players they'll be looking to bring in if we stay um, in the in the championship, and a different list of players if we go into the Premier League, and um, it's been a, a marvelous uh, a marvelous season since the, after the first eight games. You know, it, it's it's been terrific. It's been a pleasure to go and watch them, and I'm I'm absolutely optimistic that that will carry on uh, next season if we're still in the championship. Mm. It'd be a bit more difficult if we're in the Premier League, but. Uh, It'll be great for for the club and the supporters. Yeah, I mean, you you were around the club with Fawaz uh, as owner and um, other less happy times. I mean, is this the best time you can remember for Forest since? Well, I don't know when since you were manager, even potentially. Um, well, I think I think you might be do a little bit of a disservice to Dave Bassett there. Dave, you know, Dave. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Dave, but Dave only had one season, um, mm. really, where he brought them straight back up from the championship. If you remember, mm. with a very formidable, um, striking partnership uh, of Campbell and and uh, the Dutch fellow who went on strike, yeah. whose name I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not sure what I say on here. <laughs> <laughs> Van Hoydonk, I'm not sure we're allowed to say Van it. Van Hoydonk, that's the one. Yeah, you're allowed to say it, yeah. And 
So you only had that one year. But the, the, the thing about now is that the way that the, that the manager and the players and the administration have, have, have caught the, I don't know, caught the, uh, the imagination of the, of the supporters, if you like. And the, I mean, the turnout in, in games is incredible. You know, we're selling out every game. And the atmosphere that's being created at the city ground is amazing. I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unbelievable, uh, and that's that's a great thing. You know, you need you need something like that. You need the whole, the whole club. I mean, um, you know, the, the the administration is is working very closely with with Steve and his staff, um, and the, Steve and the players are playing a brand of football. That is really exciting the supporters and giving them hope. That's a great word, like giving them hope of better things to come. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, one more for Frank before I come to you, Temps, just on that issue. Um, Frank, who should be manager of the season for you? Are you are you particularly in the Cooper or the Jones camp, or, or not? Well, I'm not a great. I'm a bit like Michael. I'm not a great uh, lover of individual awards. Um, there, are, a case can be made for. For many, many people. I mean, I, I've got to, in my position at the LMA, I've got to give a vote to who's going to be the manager of the year across all four divisions, you know. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to find that very, very difficult. Um, I mean, that's an award that I actually won myself, believe it or not, when we finished third in the in the Premier League. Uh, and that one's a great honour because that's, that's voted for by the whole membership of the LMA. Not for any any specific um, um, whatever league you happen to be working in, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm biased a bit like Michael. I, I mean, did Steve has won the the Midland uh, Football Writers Manager of the Year award. I'm not sure you, whether you're aware of that. Whether you've heard that one? We were there. Have you heard that one, Matt. We were both there. Sorry, of we course. were there last week. <laughs> that's, how good, that's how good a lunch it was. I <laughs> you must have had a few too many wines. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least one. Yeah. So you know, you, I mean, that's that was a great honour for him uh, to be the, the Midlands uh, Manager of the Year. Um, you know, but if you if you make a list of names, it's uh, of possible winners of, of Managers of the Year in all divisions and and the whole of football. It's, it becomes very very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm sure Steve won't be. Uh, sitting at home, um, sulking and worrying about not winning the, not winning that award uh, last night. Um, coming back to you, Michael. Adding to what Frank said, I mean, the youth team are in the FA Youth Cup final. The women, we should congratulate for winning the National League Plate final yesterday against Wimbledon. Frank was talking about that kind of cohesion throughout the club. You work at Trent Bridge off the field it must be so important to have that joined up thinking throughout an organisation that Forest seem to finally have when they might not have had it in years gone by. Yeah, very important. And um, Dane Murphy's kept quite a low profile, hasn't he? But you can see his influence in the way we've gone about things from, like set, like Frank said, the succession planning after Hooten's departure, the, the signings, many of which were made before Steve Cooper arrived, um, but the loners in particular, uh, clearly very thoroughly researched, good systems in place. And that happened very soon after after Dane arrived. So a year into the to the to the project, if you like, you'd hope those 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 lists will be even even more fulfilled. But look, we have a lot to do with 
um, Forest here at Trent Bridge. A lot of uh, common members of staff that work across the match days, a lot of interaction between the clubs. And yeah, very, very professional setup at Forest. <clears throat> a lot of people there that care passionately about the club. Um, and yeah, for me, it's as, as good as it's ever been. And there, there is a cohesion that clearly runs throughout the club. Uh, and, and credit to, to Dane, the guys that he's appointed, and, and some of the fellas that have been there for, for a long time to provide that um, succession and consistency. I, th I think the, the, the health of the club um, is extremely good at the minute, and just reward for that would, would clearly be um, promotion, wouldn't it? So, yeah, fingers crossed these last few weeks. What's your take on Dane Murphy, Frank? You must have met him a few times. Yeah, uh, well, listen, he's doing a great job. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, he made he made me redundant, so I might be a bit biased here, but I still think he's doing a great job. Um, <laughs> there were decisions that he had to make, um, and he's he's hugely involved in the in the recruitment process. He, you know, he's brought in some of his own people uh, to do a lot of that, as I say, in in, in conjunction with the manager. And he's, he's very, very efficient at, at what he does. And he's, uh, you know, the chief executive role is a, is a very important role. Mm. Mm. I mean, just lastly, Frank, how important is that relationship between a manager and upset? I think you've talked to me before about managing upwards. That's increasingly important these days, isn't it? Absolutely. And um, Steve seems to be doing that okay. I don't know how... Like when you're winning football matches, it doesn't matter about winning or managing up. Like you know, it's not it's not as important. But I'm sure he's got a very good relationship with uh, with Dan, with the chairman, um, and with uh, with the owners. You know, and we haven't really talked about them. They're they're very important. And Mr. Marinakis and Mr. Komenakis, um, I'm sure they're really enjoying um, what's happening at the at the club at the moment. Um, and and they will they they've been very very supportive even over the you know the last for the four years now three four years have been here when it hasn't been so great um, but they've always been very supportive we've now got a category one uh, rating for the academy which is uh, which is very important and that that can only be done with an injection of of finance to improve the facilities so everybody is uh, everybody is working together. Um, and the icing on the cake is the fact that the team are winning regularly. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in football, when you're the manager, um, I, I often sit and talk about this with John Robertson. And John's favourite saying, saying is, win the game on Saturday and it shuts everybody up for a week, you know. I know what he means. <laughs> um, that's where we go. Temps. Uh, wants to ask you a question, Frank, about ninety four, ninety five. What do you want to ask, Mike? Uh, just, just remember that season so, so lovingly. I was ten at the time, and you know, Collie Moore was my hero. And I think I actually wore out the VHS cassette I had watching, watching back the, the best bits of that year. But were, were there any players that you were close to signing, perhaps didn't get across the line that you think could have made that side, you know, even even better? Were there any nearly men that you were just desperate to to get into that setup? Uh, not really, because uh, there was never any money to spend. Um, you know, we uh, when we got there was money to spend when I first got there, but that was all money that I'd brought in by having to sell Roy Keane and Nigel Clough and then Gary Charles. You know, all three had special circumstances around them. Um, and to be fair to the board, they they allowed me to spend that money. But from then on, it was always it was always a fight. Uh, when we got promoted. Um, 
I asked the board at the end of the season what sort of money we'd have to spend, and they said nothing, which I thought, oh, great. <laughs> um, and I knew that uh, I, I just felt we needed a bit of quality. So between myself and, and Fred Ritchie, the chairman, we, we sort of uh, we did the deal for Brian Roy without really telling anybody else on the board. Uh, they weren't very happy at all when they found out about it. Um, but Brian came in and, and, and gave us a bit more quality. I'm sure you remember it, it was a great boost for everybody at the football club, players, supporters, staff, to get a, 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 a Dutch World Cup player to come to play for us. Um, uh, so that's what it was. I can't, uh, I, I can't honestly say that, uh, uh, that I didn't, uh, there's one or two that I wished I hadn't got over the line. <laughs> not, mentioning, not mentioning any names, but because um, they're all my fault. Um, but no, I don't think so. Excellent. Um, if people want to go back, there's a previous episode with Frank about his career, and there's a second episode with Paul Hart where we, where I got them both on talking about management and what an absolute bloody nightmare it is. So people should check that out. Certainly, uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Some really interesting stuff there. So if you liked it as ever, do subscribe and give us a like on iTunes, YouTube, and any other platform. Frank, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Matt. You're very welcome to come back. And Michael, thank you very much. Good to talk to you, Matt. Good to meet you, Frank. And Look we it. shall be... When will we be back? Uh, maybe after the Fulham game. Otherwise, this time next week. So do join us then. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.